Have you wondered how the pandemic has accelerated the digital transformation of healthcare? Or how nurses are uniquely positioned to dig into the challenges of virtual care? We talk about that and more on today's podcast. Hello from sunny Austin, Texas, and welcome to the Healthcare Soothsayer podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bonnie Clipper, and yes, I'm a nurse. I have worked for more than 30 years as a nurse, chief nurse executive, innovation strategist, and speaker. I have taken the message of Nursing Innovation International and look forward to continuing this message to transform health. This podcast will bring you thought leaders and ideas that you may not have otherwise heard from. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Healthcare Soothsayers. Our guest today is Lisa Jenkins Brooks, founder of Writing the Future of Health and a managed care executive. Lisa, I am so excited to be talking with you today. Thank you. I'm really pleased to be here. And you're an expert in a really interesting space that's so important to us. And as we all know, we've lived through the last year and a half, and and of course, it isn't entirely over, but this pandemic has really upended life as we know it, and it's been tragic in that it's left a high death toll in its wake. Yet, on the other hand, it's also provided the opportunity for disruption in healthcare and in technology that we so desperately needed. Can you talk a little bit about how the pandemic has accelerated the digital transformation in healthcare? Sure. Well, first of all, I mean, the pandemic certainly created the urgent and compelling reason for healthcare providers to embrace technology. And we know that healthcare has been really behind other industries like banking and travel when it comes to supporting consumers having digital interactions. Um, So this, I I look at it as having set the roof on fire. So providers had to try virtual visits and regulators had to act quickly to expand initiatives like hospital at home. Um, I do think that we are moving towards a time when healthcare will actually start at home. I think that consumers will monitor their own health, their own vital signs, and they'll collect some basic data before they even reach out to a provider. And I think many providers will start with a virtual visit before deciding if a person needs to come in for an office visit or go to urgent care or the ER. And in fact, they may be able to handle the entire event at home, you know, ordering lab tests, prescription delivery, or even a visit from a nurse or an EMT. And I do think this is really remarkable um, because when I think back to earlier in my nursing career, I was a home hospice nurse in New York and my assigned area was East Harlem with like a little tiny stretch of the Upper East Side. So most of my patients lived in public housing, but then when I crossed 96th Street, that's when I would suddenly be in those mansions in the sky that you see on shows like Gossip Girl or Real Housewives. Well, back then, it was really only my wealthy patients who could afford to keep their care at home because they were the ones who could afford to hire nurses and doctors to come by and monitor them. But because of digital technology and the ability to have virtual monitoring, 
this is now much more affordable for everyone. So you don't need to be a former bank chairman to be able to stay in your home. So talk a little bit about how you think that's going to happen, because certainly, you know, I think what we've done over the last year is we've learned more about the disparities in income and housing and education and in healthcare. So how do we start to reconcile these to mitigate these true differences that exist today so that everyone really can have the same access or maybe use wearables to input information for a provider or have virtual care visits? How does that start to work? Well, I, I think you you uh, hit the nail on the head right there. I think that wearables are an inexpensive um, way for us to be able to monitor people at home and they're becoming less expensive every day. So I think that's the first step. I think the second step is we're going to start seeing both managed care organizations, but also providers as they're in more value-based arrangements, um, realize that there's greater return on investment for going ahead and providing devices that do not need um, internet connectivity um, that uh, are able to connect through you know, cell signal and other means, that it, there's actual greater return on going ahead and, and giving those to patients um, because then we could intervene before a health condition exacerbates and gets much more expensive. So I think that's the, the second piece to that happening. A third piece, I think that nurses are really creative, innovative people. And I think that we will start to see uh, different ideas come about for how we can uh, enable particularly vulnerable populations. Um, so perhaps there's there's a solution out there where we have uh, you know virtual care only centers, similar to how banks have ATM only centers. So you can put them really wherever you'd like, um, and you don't have to have staff members there. You know, perhaps we have virtual care only centers in some of the most vulnerable communities. So it doesn't require people to own the technology or afford um, a data plan. So those are those are some of the ways that I think that we're going to start seeing um, this sort of a setup much more widespread um, and where the financial incentives will align. So it feels like as nurses, we have sort of a unique skill set, yet it's going to be interesting to see how nurses in mass can can not only learn how to leverage their skills in a more digital environment, but also how are we more uniquely positioned to solve some of these challenges that we could use virtual care? If you think about that in the broad term, how do we improve things like senior isolation or how do we really make this, this impact to care of the homeless population around the country, which is just continuing to grow? Right. I think that's an, an excellent question. Uh, and I, I think that nurses are uniquely positioned from two aspects. Uh, first, we actually interact with the people facing these problems. So we know older adults who experience isolation where a doctor's appointment or a trip to the pharmacy is their whole social event. And we work in underserved communities where you have to stand, you know, in just the right place to get cell service so you can use your phone as a mobile hotspot. So these are these are not abstract concepts for us the way they are for a software developer or a data scientist. 
Um, so I do think that because we are on the ground seeing these issues at play, we are in the best position to identify solutions. So for example, with senior isolation, um, I think that nurses could offer ideas around, you know, how do you help people with limited mobility socialize? Um, perhaps it's a nurse who creates a database of volunteer opportunities for people with limited mobility. Uh, and maybe that nurse partners with Uber and Lyft to provide discounted rides for seniors who are going out to volunteer. So I think that there's a, a variety of ideas that nurses can come up with um, as long as we feel uh, empowered to do so. Uh, the second way that I think that we're uniquely positioned, uh, and this this touches on the, the second population you raised around um, uh, particularly underserved communities and uh, the homeless population, um, I think that nurses can play a really key role in advocacy and pushing for policy changes. Uh, we are a trusted voice, and because we are in direct contact with these populations, if we uh, put our voices out there more and take the lead in pushing for policy changes, I think that we can really affect um, what laws are written and how funding is distributed. So I think that that's a really key area for nurses to get involved with. Um, and then so you, okay. and sorry to jump in, but you've talked about two really key areas here. So the first is really going to be around this sort of, um, how is it that we get nurses more into this space of digitizing, right? Of this digital transformation of health. Do you feel like we're adequate and doing the job we need to do when it comes to even creating nurses and nurses that are in nursing school or in the pipeline? Do they, are they learning the skills that they need to have? Will they come out prepared with the competencies for a more digital world? Or is that an opportunity and how do we handle that piece? That's such a great question. If I'm being completely honest, I don't think that nursing schools are completely preparing nurses for being able to operate in that space. Um, I do think that nursing schools are embracing uh, EHRs more and virtual learning and helping nurses, particularly of younger generations, to um, be comfortable uh, using different tools. So I think that that is great and that's certainly a big step forward. But I do think that there's more that the nursing curriculums need to focus on to be able to fully bridge the gap. Um, one trend that I've been keeping an eye on is some of the large technology companies like Google have been investing in uh, inexpensive online education to help reskill people. And their focus has been really around project management and data analysis, which are two core skills uh, that people, that, that I think of as nursing informatics skills. And I think that's a signal uh, as to where um, jobs will go in the future and things that are considered kind of core skill sets. Mm -hmm. Those are two pieces that I think are still missing from the basic nursing school curriculum. Um, even though you have nurses who come in with a variety of experiences outside of nursing school and I think there are a lot of nurses who, who would make excellent informatics nurses, but it's not something that they're taught in school. And a lot of nurses end up learning these things on the job. So I do yes. think it's something that schools Well, and you just with. hit a nerve here because I think so often nurses feel as though the job of a nurse 
is this sort of a direct care kind of a role with someone that is called a patient. And I think that it is, yet that's also through a very traditional lens, because mm -hmm. it, it feels to me that the nurse of the future is going to be a digital type of profession. Whether yeah. or not we like that, right, because we see ourselves as a traditional profession, but forward facing, future facing, this is very much going to be a digital role and that nurses need to understand data and analytics and how mm -hmm. different devices and technologies integrate and gather information. So I think you're spot on. I think we have much to do to develop curricula for not only nurses, but probably other health professionals that are in the pipeline so that when they come out with this amazing skill set, they are fully prepared to use it in even a digital way because that is still nursing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, I'm very passionate about that as well, because I do think that so much of the nursing school curriculum makes this assumption that you're going to spend your entire career in a hospital providing direct patient care. And nursing is so much more than that. And we live in a world where healthcare is becoming so much more than that. So I, I totally agree. I think nurses do have to uh, build the skill set that allows us to function better in a virtual world. I think it should be great news for nurses who, you know, don't want to continue doing the kind of manual routine tasks that are way below our skill level. This should be great news for nurses who enjoy problem solving and critical thinking. I think that's where the job is going to go. And those are the skills that we need to practice. Yeah, I totally agree. I think we fought long and hard to be able to start IVs, <laughs> to be able to draw <laughs> blood. And that's, you know, we've done that to ourselves. And that's kind of a bad thing, because now we need to get rid of the tasks. And instead, pull our up, pull ourselves up to the top of our license, and think more broadly, and think more critically about the role that we play. Because the other thing that you mentioned is that of policymaker, legislator, advocate, this too is an area where there's a dearth of nurses. So from a nursing perspective, we also have to get better at helping nurses realize that it's good and it's okay to go into different areas such as advocacy, legislation, policy, regulatory areas and actually focus on how to use that nursing background, those nursing skills, which is completely acceptable. It's in fact, it's brilliant. It's good. I totally agree. I mean, I also think another area is strategy. The strategies that healthcare organizations used in the past are not the strategies that will help organizations to succeed in the future. So for example, healthcare organizations that want to increase revenue by offering more services, well, that doesn't really work in a value-based model. You really have to focus more on population health, which requires data and data analysis. Um, so even there is another example of where nurses who think, okay, my job is really just, you know, providing direct patient care at the bedside kind of miss. There's tremendous opportunity for setting strategy for organizations to function uh, going forward. Well, why why is it then that we can't get nurses to get into some more of these areas? What do you see as the barriers, whether it be the digital health conversation, advocacy work? 
how is it we move around these misperceptions and get nurses more into these other spaces where they absolutely can make a powerful contribution? That's a, a great question. I would say the first misperception, uh, which is where I've really focused my my business over, well, really over the past year, it's around qualifications. So a lot of nurses think they have to have a master's degree or a certification in nursing informatics to even earn their place at the table, to be able to be part of a project team um, or even in a discussion about where things are going. And that is simply not true. Um, nurses have excellent experience to draw from. And really what we're talking about is you know, honing a few key skills so that nurses can provide value in strategy discussions, in redesigning processes, you know, in leveraging technology and data. So I would say that's the the first barrier I see. Um, the second is there's definitely a fear of what the future will bring. And there are nurses, not as many as when I first got into nursing informatics over a decade ago, but there are still nurses who are trying to push back on this digital transformation. And I do think that is a mission that is doomed to fail. Um, I'm trying to even imagine like if my bank suddenly shut down their app and their website and told me to start visiting in person. And if I wanted to make a deposit, I'd have to see a teller or fill out a form if I want to transfer from checking to savings. I mean, it just sounds ridiculous in the banking setting, but that is what we are talking about when there's that pushback against digital health records and connected systems and mobile technology. So I think, I think that's the second barrier. Um, the third, and I, I wouldn't say it so much is a barrier as kind of a, a lack of um, perspective, because we, we really just need to have more conversations around it, is just recognizing that this transformation is not just a technology change that this is really a change, uh, as we touched on, to strategy, to process, to data, to policy. And so that's where I think opening it up and understanding, like, this is not just, you know, what it was maybe, you know, 15 years ago where it's, oh, we're, we're just trying to move from paper onto uh, EMRs. We're really talking about changing so many different parts of our approach. And there's a lot of room for nurses to play an active role. You know, some of what you're talking about strikes me a little bit as though it's generational based on our nurses and our demographics. I know when I'm um, able to speak with nurses and we talk about innovation and technology, quite often nurses that are more tenured, shall we say, are those that like to ask me this very binary question. Is nursing going to be high touch or high tech? And my answer is yes, it's got <laughs> to be both, right? It isn't either or. However, my impression in talking to nurses that have been around for a while is that they're very uncomfortable thinking about this increased presence and this role that technology plays. However, that doesn't mean it takes away from the side of empathy and compassion and touch. And younger nurses are actually a little bit more uncomfortable sometimes with the empathy, compassion, and touch, mm -hmm. and more comfortable with the technology. So I do think nursing is very well positioned with a foot on each bank here mm -hmm. and can do both. 
And we're just going to have to have the courage to wade into the conversation and maybe even be a lot more involved with the design and the development of technologies and advocate for the patients. But it has to be both. Absolutely. And it's very interesting what you're pointing out with with both generations really have something to offer and to help each other bridge you know, the needs, um, because I, I totally agree that it is, it is in fact both. And I think one thing that does unite, I'm going to say most nurses, I don't know if I can speak for every single one, but most nurses is we got into the profession to help people. So regardless of whether we're comfortable, you know, with the face-to-face conversations or with the technology, if our aim is still to help people that can take on so many more forms. It's not as restricted if we if we keep that vision in mind. Um, one one area that um, we haven't touched on yet uh, is around artificial intelligence and um, ethics. And I do think that nurses, and we can talk about AI a bit more, but I do think that one leg up that nurses have um, over so many other professions is we do have ethics as part of our nursing curriculum, and it is a major pillar of our profession. And particularly as we're looking at um, larger data sets and vulnerable populations and the idea of you know who does data belong to, I think that nurses can play uh, an excellent role as part of an ethics committee. Um, and as uh, if, if an ethics committee does not exist yet at your organization, you could stand one up. But I think that that is one one particular um, skill set and area that we can bring to this digital transformation that a software developer or data scientist, they don't have as much experience with that. Well, and I love this because you've given us some really good recommendations on how and where nurses can get involved, right? If nurses aren't involved in literally at, at company advisory board levels, we should be having more input on the design and the development of technologies that nurses are going to use or that will impact nursing workflow or patient care. So that was great. The other thing I think that is awesome is just what you said a moment ago, and that is most organizations, nearly all, have ethics committees. However, with all of the changes that we're seeing in technology, it's perhaps a very, very good foot in the door for nurses to be on the ethics committee and to ensure that we have ethics representatives on the new products, the new technology, the innovation committees, Mm -hmm. because that's sometimes a gap. So I I love that point. Yeah, it it is so critical. And it's an area that we're really on the same we actually as nurses probably have even a little bit more experience than the more technical people on the team because uh, having these discussions around ethics is is pretty new for them. Um, and there are new questions coming up as technology evolves. So I know one of the the big topics that has been in the news in the last year is around bias uh, in in data and in AI. And I think there was this idea that many people had, prior to these stories is that if it's technology, it's somehow neutral and unbiased. You know, how could a computer really be biased in any way? And uh, and we're seeing, no, you can absolutely have an algorithm that's biased because it's created by people and it's trained on data that is, 
you know, generated by people. So those things do carry forward. And a lot of ethics committees, while they might focus on different patient cases, they're not necessarily evaluating algorithms that are in use, um, new technologies that are either being built or being licensed. And so that's where I agree. I think that the the ethics committees um, have to start adding in this component as healthcare becomes more digitized of really evaluating the applications, the algorithms, the data, you know, asking to see how they were evaluated against different populations for bias, um, really to understand and then to make some informed decisions and hopefully correct for the bias. And this goes back to, we have to start in nursing school so that nurses actually learn about this, understand it, so that when they come out the pipeline and when they're actually a nurse, they in fact can participate and can contribute, whether it's a committee or a council or an external vendor advisory board, nurses need to understand how this stuff works so that they absolutely can contribute their nursing perspective to this. Because these pieces coming together are really the secret sauce in all this. I definitely agree. I definitely agree. This has been awesome, Lisa. I think you've really informed the role that nurses have to play and why we're so pivotal in this transformation and why nurses do need to get involved. And and if you're not invited, this is the opportunity for nurses to sort of lean in, push your way in, sit at the table, bring your own table, but get there. We need you to be in these conversations. Absolutely. Come on board. So Lisa, I want to ask you a question. I want to Let's end this on an upbeat, positive, cool way um, to kind of uh, go our own ways today. What's something that you're grateful for? That is a great question. Uh, and I, I try to practice gratitude regularly, so I, <laughs> I have many things I could name. Um, I would say one thing I've been really grateful for um, has been over this past year, um, I've been very fortunate to be able to uh, work from home, which I know not everybody has that luxury. Um, and it's made me even more grateful for the connections that I have with friends, with colleagues, with, you know, former classmates. Um, I feel like our, we've had to make a, a much more concerted effort to stay connected. And um, it's made me deeply appreciate the friendships and the support and um, the love that, that I feel like I do have in my life. So, uh, I know for many, the this past year was a time of, of disconnection and isolation from not being able to see people in person, but I, I took it as a, from a different perspective of it was a chance to really consciously uh, reinforce and build my relationships. And I'm very That's grateful. That's so awesome. I love that. This is a great place for us to put a pin in it for today. And again, thank you so much, Lisa, for being with us today. I'm grateful for your time and your insight and your expertise. And on Healthcare Soothsayers podcast, we love to share this kind of information. It, it makes all of us just a little bit smarter. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And be sure to check out the show notes for this show to find Lisa's contact information and to learn more about her work. Thanks so much for listening to Healthcare Soothsayers. I really do appreciate it. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and share it with your network. That is how we grow and learn. If you have ideas for show topics or guests, please reach out to me directly at ThoughtLeaderRN on Twitter. 
For information about this show or any of the others in the Touchpoint Media Network, please check them out at touchpoint.health.